Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. I'm just attempting, I want to probably call it, it's a long one, but God in Christ, the universal husband. Mm-hmm. This is a very strange title. Christ, the universal husband. God, the universal husband. God in Christ. Hmm. The universal husband. I probably will touch a little bit about marriage because you can only have husband in marriage. It takes marriage to have a husband. Anything outside marriage is a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a partner, and some other stuff. (laughs) Those of you who have been coming to church, especially the weekday prayer meetings, and listening to me or listening to the messages you've been teaching, you'll find out that um, man, there is a purpose for man's existence because God had an agenda and still maintains their agenda for creating man. When you read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, those two chapters are like encoded with seeds. Seed. Everything you see in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, they are like seeds. It takes the rest of the Bible to expound and explain and understand Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Interesting. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, we find out that God had a purpose. He has a purpose. And his purpose, main purpose, was how it ended in Genesis chapter 1. Bible says that, and God said, let there be, and there was. And God said, let there be, and there was. God said, let there be, and there was. Let there be, and there was. And now, um, then after he said all that, God said, I always want to hold my Bible. That God said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. In, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says that, and God, then God said, Let there be. And, and there was light. Verse 6, then God said, Let there be. I think verse 9, God said, Let there be. Verse 11, God said, Let there be. Verse 14, God said, Let there be. Verse 20, God said, let there be. Verse, verse 24, God said, let there be. Verse 26, then God said, watch this, let us. He didn't say, let there be. He said, let us. So God had to call a conference. And have, a, have God had an executive council within himself and sat down. He said, we have to have a council. So God stopped doing everything, went and sat down, called a conference, they had a call, and then what's the conference? The title of the conference, the purpose of the conference, let us make what? Man. Let's all read it together. Let us make man. Let's read it from the, uh, 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 let's read the first two lines. Let's go. Let us all Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So first of all, the way he was going to make man was a reflection of the purpose he had for man. Do you know when you look at an image, the image is supposed to do something. Every image is supposed to reflect what it is representing. So if you look at my image, it's supposed to be reflect, expressing me. You can't look at my image and it's expressing Pastor Philip, who does not have hair. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe, but I have a little bit more than yours. <laughs> so, you, you can't, you can't, you can't, please come, please come quickly. When we take a picture, please stand here. When we take a picture of this guy, 
the image is supposed, even if it's a silhouette, you should be able to tell that this is a silhouette of a male. When you take a picture of her, you should be able to tell because he hasn't got that thing. She's got that thing. <laughs> Fountain. <laughs> so you can tell there are fundamental differences. So if you take an image of this one, it should definitely be reflecting or expressing not this one, not me, but this one. Yeah. Does that make sense? Thank you very much. And if God, God said, let us make man in our image. So in the first place, God created man to reflect him. So when you look at man, you should be able to tell more about God. But that's not all, all of it. What's the next line? Watch this. In our image, according to our line, that, you know what gets my attention? I know it didn't get your attention. But he said, God said, let That's very interesting. This is the triune God. He's, that's why it's us. But let us make what? Men. Let us make what? Men. In our image. And let. Should have to let him. He made man. for So the triune God made a corporate man. So he created man. But he was a them. <laughs> so when it was time for him to have another man. He entered them, him, and pulled out the woman. Because he, he, Adam was not just a, a one unique individual. He was a corporate man representing everybody, every one of us. That's why when he fell into sin, we all. So, the reason why God created Adam was because he created him in his image so that the, Adam is not the real one. Adam is the image of the real man coming. So when you look at the real man, there are several ways you can tell he looks the same way like Adam. And so in the Bible, we have the first only two men, only two men. There's the first man and the second man. In the Bible, God only deals with two men. The first man and the second man. All of us, once you are born a human being, you are in the first man. It takes your personal choice to enter the second man. First, where did you get all these ideas from? First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. To 47. Interesting text. He said, and so it is written, the first man, Adam. Let's all say first man. The first man, Adam. The first man, Adam, became a living being. Then he says, the last Adam. So there's a last Adam. Once you enter him, you are finished with the first Adam. So what the 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 woes the woe w o e the woe or woes the woes of humanity that came with Adam once you enter the last Adam you have terminated the the actual woe that came so Jesus is not the second Adam he was the last Adam in him, something we caught from Adam gets terminated. But certainly, he was the second man. Look at this. Read it again. Go back to this. So it's written, the first, the first Adam, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So the first Adam became a living being through creation. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit through resurrection. Go to the next verse. Look at this. Let's all read it together. Let's go. The spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterwards, the spiritual. I hope you understand this. So the first one is natural. The second one is spiritual. The last Adam is a spiritual Adam. The first Adam is a natural Adam. So everyone, Adam was a physical human being. Just as we are, a phys- we are all physical human individuals. So everybody who is 
born naturally on earth, you have the earthly nature. Go to the verse 7, 47. That's the key one. Look at this. Let's all read. Let's go. Earth made of the dust. The second man is of the Lord, from the Lord, is, sorry, is the Lord from heaven. So the first, who is the first man? Adam. Who is the second man? Jesus. Two man. First man, second man. So once you enter the second man, guess what? You have become heavenly. You certainly you carry the divine nature of God because it's not physical, it's in your spirit. It happens in your spirit. Am I getting somebody? I'm, I'm losing somebody. This is very interesting. At least, if you understand these things, all those kind of evolutionary evolution nonsense. You don't bother because you understand better things about spiritual. I was telling someone yesterday, this whole thing is not ideological. It's a spiritual reality. Have you cast out the devil before? I have. (laughs) (laughs) You don't see see a devil. But spiritually, we are able to deal with them. They know us. If it's not spiritual, how can we pray for someone who is sick and the person becomes healed? It's a coincidence. Yes, I like that kind of coincidence that every time I, I pray, the coincidence happens. Yeah. There's something beyond. They always tell you there's something beyond, but we don't know what it is. So we have, I, can't be, but I don't want to call it God. But what, and I'm telling you, it's called God. You don't know it, but I'm telling you what you don't know, but I don't want to know. Yeah, so, so it's not an intellectual issue, it's a, a moral issue. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right, so watch this. Adam. I explained something to you some time ago about types. Types. So in the Bible, like, um, there are so many things in the Old Testament that were like a picture, were like examples or better still, samples. They were like figures of Christ or something ahead. So when you look at the samples, it will help you to see or like a specimen, yeah. certain way. So you know when uh, I, I explained the other time, the bank, they release some money, this the specimen, so that you can know how the original will look like. So in the Old Testament, there are different, different, different specimen which the Bible calls type. For instance, the tabernacle they built, it was a type of Christ. Isaac was a type of Christ. His father gave him up, you know, sacrificed him. Christ was sacred. He was the only begotten of the love, love, beloved of the Father. Christ, you know, I, I remember Zaphon of Pania, Jacob, uh, sorry, Joseph was a type of Christ. You understand that? So there are several types. Now, one of the major types of Christ is Adam. Adam is a type of Christ. In what way does Adam reflect Christ? In, let me, I'll probably give you two or three. In what way does Adam reflect Christ? In what way did Joseph reflect, reflect Christ? He was persecuted. Remember, I gave you about nine points. He was persecuted. He was sold. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was put in prison. He came out of prison. He ascended the throne. The, Joseph, Joseph reflect, ref, uh, reflected Christ in a lot of ways. So for something to be a type of Christ, there must be some aspect of that thing that reflect, reflects Christ. Does that make sense? For Adam to be a type of Christ, Adam must... You must look at some things about Adam and tell that, no, this is like Christ. Does that that make sense? Are you here with me? Yes. Yes. All right. So, in, in, (laughs) Jesus, this is good. Don't worry, you'll get it. In in, in, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 14. Romans chapter 5, verse 14. It will be good we all read it out from the screen. Are you ready? Let's all go. Let's go. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness and the transgressions of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. What was Adam? So now, an example. Okay? An an, an, example, a figure, a specimen, a, a, a shadow. So when you look at Adam, there are some things about Adam that, you, that must reflect Christ. 
because he was a type of Christ. Does that, does that make sense? So he says that people who have not even sinned according like Adam sinned, they are all plunged into death because of Adam who was a type of Christ. In what way was Adam a type of Christ? Adam was like our federal, okay, go to the next point. Go to the next verse. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one, one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gifts by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. So the gift of God will abound to many through Jesus Christ. The way sin abounded, all of us were, were born as sinners. You didn't have to sin before you became a sinner. Don't, don't worry about that Ten Commandments thing. So I can't stop this. I can't. You, you see, it's not. I was talking to somebody yesterday. They said, "Okay, how about people who are doing good? They are doing good. Are you saying God will not take them? No. You see, I my I gave an example. You can, <laughs> listen. Human we poo. It doesn't matter how much you microwave it or wash it. it it's it's wrong. It's, so human beings. Eh? <laughs> That's the example I gave him yesterday. Human beings are fundamentally flawed and imperfect. So even the very good and perfect, is there any perfect human being? The, the, Martin Luther puts it this way, the reformer, he says that all our good behavior are splendid vices. Mm. Splendid vices. It's vice, but just that it looks nice. It's like a dead body. Dead for three days, and then you bring in a perfume, spray perfume on it. Oh, <laughs> so that you see the it looks like sometimes maybe if a place has an offensive odor because maybe some rotten food is there, and then visitors are coming, and you take a, a refresher and then refresh the place. Oh, within five minutes, the thing will come back. <laughs> so. We will come there, it smells nice, but it won't take long, it will, it will be diffused because the original nature of the thing is, is bad. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how nice human beings behave. Come on. Come on, you are too imperfect. In fact, Bible says that our righteous acts are like, um, is that in Isaiah 50, is it 64 verse six or so? It talks about your, your righteous work is as filthy rags. King James used the word filthy rags. The original Hebrew, filthy rag is the original word. Is it that? Yeah, 64 verse 6. It says that, but we all like unclean things and all our righteousness, the nice things we do, so long as God is concerned, are like filthy rags. Now, the word translated filthy rag, the word translated filthy rag is actually, do you know what it is? It's like a used menstrual cloth. So when you think you are being so clean before God. You know, as for me, I, I behave well. I behave well. I do. <laughs> God said, look at this. <laughs> because your good behavior cannot gain you credit before God. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's not what God will make God accept you. Because fundamentally, there's something wrong with you. Mm. 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 Does that make sense? Yeah. That's why Christ had to come and live a perfect life. So that when you now come to Christ, the perfect good behavior he lived is imputed into your account. So when you go to God, he doesn't see your record, he sees his record. And then he accepts you based on the record of Christ, not based on your record. Then he begins to empower you to live like Christ. That's the Christian story. Now, so... Adam was a federal representative. Whatever he did, because he was representing us, whatever he did, he plunged us into the same thing. If Adam had done right, we would have all been right. By because he went left, we all went left. Does that make sense? In that, that way, he was representing Christ. Now, fast forward quickly. When you read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, in chapter 1, I actually went very far back on myself. In chapter 1, it talks about the purpose of God. In chapter 2, it's like God had a purpose. Watch this. Can you come back, please? So let's say this is a, re a representation of God. And God created man. So why did he create man? You remember? To be in his image and likeness and then to have dominion. To have dominion is to reign, have authority over the works of the enemy. On the, on the behalf of God. So God created man, and the first thing is his likeness. God created him like 
Adam was created like God so that he can receive God. So God can enter him. Does that make sense? So that's Genesis chapter 1. He has finished Adam. Good. And then do you know what he did? God, he made himself like a tree of life. He, he, he himself was a tree of life. And then put the tree of life right in front of Adam. Why do, you, why do you think God put Adam in the garden and put the tree before him? So that he can have the tree and eat the tree. So now, first three steps. Step number one, God created man. Step number two, he put himself in front of man. And now step number three, how to get man to have him to inside him. He won't force himself. He said, man, you yourself come after me. And then... There was a replica. Satan also made sure that his version was there. And God told him clearly, don't go to this one. Eat everything. Leave this one out. And Satan came and said, ah, why are you listening to God? He's not been to school. He's not been, his, his accent is not good enough. So come and eat me. And then as soon as man went for the devil, Satan's nature checked into man. So that was, and so since that time, everyone who was born, we all have the serpentine nature inside us. That's why sometimes you don't want to do sin, but you keep doing it. How can you follow 10 commandments and be perfect? Because you can't keep it. How many of you have been able to keep every law perfectly? So that means that no one can go to heaven. Because you can't keep it. So God has a problem on his hands. So now, Satan wanted, he said, eat me, eat me. So it wasn't just disobedience, but it was the nature of Satan was checked into man. So now this thing needs to be taken care of so that he can be free to go for this. But as long as he has this, God said, no, I can't let you go for this because it will will create a problem. So God planned. And his plan was to come and remove he is still part of him, but remove the power from him so that he can be free to receive God inside. It's called the internal triangle. So the Garden of Eden, the tree, no, inter, inter, not eternal, inter, inside, internal. I didn't say eternal. <laughs> internal, not eternal. What's the internal? Previously, the, the trees, the tree of evil, good, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the garden outside of Adam. When he went for it, the tree came inside. And then when you become born again, guess what? The nature of life, God, the nature of God, the tree of life also has inside. So now your mind is still there. You have to use your mind to either obey the internal, the, the, the triangle. Either you go towards the tree of knowledge Oh, so in Romans chapter 8, it says to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life. So when you are born again, you can choose to live by the spirit or live according to the flesh. Wow. That's the eternal triangle. Now, so please clap for them. I'll call you back when I need you. But I want you to notice something. My time. I told you this alone. And I want you to notice something. In Genesis, in Genesis chapter Two, there, were, there are some four major things that you must realize that are also in Revelation. Number one, in Genesis, there, there was, are you here with me? In Genesis, there was the, um, in the garden, you could see there was a river. You remember I told you that? Genesis chapter two, verse nine, there was a river in the garden. All right, so in Genesis chapter two, a river went out in the garden. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse two, it also talks about there was a river. In the middle of the street and on the side of the river, there was a river there. River, river. Say river, river. River, river. Number two. Number two. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse 10. There was the tree of life, river, uh, verse nine. I'm sorry, verse 9. And out of the garden, the Lord made every tree grow. And there was the tree of life. Say the tree of life. The tree of life. So there was a river in the garden. There was the tree of life. How about Revelation chapter 22, verse 1? 
purify. Okay, verse 2. Look at verse 2. And in the middle of the street and on every side of the river was the tree of life. Did you see that? Is it not the same thing? The tree of life is in Genesis and it's in Revelation. The river, Genesis, Revelation. I'm, I'm going to explain something to you. And now number, number three, very interesting. There were precious minerals. Revelation chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Say precious minerals. Precious Revelation chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 say, uh, talks about how Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Genesis chapter 2, verse 11. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Genesis chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I'm talking about Genesis. The name of the first person, and uh, it is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where the gold is there, uh, where there is gold. Verse 12. The gold there is good, and the gold in that land is good. Delium and honest stones were precious stones. Say precious stones. Precious stones. Number four is Genesis. Genesis chapter. Two, two, I, I feel like preaching. Now we have gotten there. This is where I've been waiting to come to. Genesis chapter 2. Hey, hey. Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, It's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, comparable for him. That word comparable, meaning suitable. Or I'll make him a, 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 a companion. Or I'll make him a companion who will compliment him. All right. I'll make him a counterpart. All right. He will compliment, uh, will be his counterpart. Very important. So I'm going to make... But God said it's not good for man to be alone. But you make man. And excuse me, how did God make man? God made man like himself. And now he says it's not good that man should be alone. So he was using man to tell us something. So long as his eternal plan was concerned, it wasn't good that God should be alone. I'll tell you, some of you, some of you who have been in church a long time, you have a struggle a little bit, but you get it. Are you trying to say God, God was perfect? But as long as his plan, his economy was concerned, he wasn't complete. So long as his economy, his plan, his economy was concerned for the earth. This is why God made man. Man is not good to man. So what is God going to do? All right, let's see what God did. Out of the ground, the Lord, oh formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. But he's looking for a companion. And he go and bring some stuff. Bring, Bible says that and, and Adam called each living creature. Uh, and, so, and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was the name. Look at the verse 20, serious one. Let's all read verse 20 together. So Adam of the air the every beast of the field, but comparable. There wasn't a suitable companion. There wasn't a counterpart. Ah, so why did God bring them? Sometimes God will allow some things to come. So you know that these things that have been created, these things that are there, they can't complement you. So there's a problem. Adam doesn't have. God said, no problem. I know what to do. Now, what, remember Adam is a type of Christ. Search all over, go find nobody. There's nothing on earth that is suitable to be Christ's companion. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, let's go to the next verse. See what God did. We will come back to that later. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Adam had to sleep. Open his side. Because Adam needed something that had same, same nature. Same life, 
and add something that can represent him. He took it, and look at verse 22. And then the rib which God, the Lord had, God had taken from the man, he made into, the word made, the original Hebrew is he built. He built it, he, he put it together. He built it, the rib. He built it into a woman. Woman. I wish, I want to talk to you about, there is, there is an alternate, ultimate eternal woman. Who belongs, who is the bride of? <laughs> yeah, it's getting very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Pastor, no, I'm tired. That's, I cannot go to bed. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, he built and he, oh, these are the key things. I'm going to focus, I would, I would like to focus on he built uh, into a, a woman and he brought. Head to the man and look at what Adam did. As soon as Adam saw, and Adam said, This now, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam said, Yes, that's it. I can I, I can tell this has my nature. This is just like me. This is just like me. Now, because of my time, let me fast forward. In Revelation, there's also an eternal woman. Whatever is in Genesis is in these four things. It's in Revelation. So when you read Revelations, <laughs> Revelations chapter 21, verse 7. 21, verse. Let's go to verse 9, sorry. Verse 9. Good. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the uh, seven last plagues came to me and talked with me and said, come, I will show you the bride of the lamb. There's a bride. I will show you the bride of the lamb. If I want you to read um, verse one. Verse one, look at verse one. And I saw a new heaven and a, a new heaven for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Go to the next verse and see. Verse two says that, there I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, say husband. God created man because of his need for a counterpart. So that he can be the universal husband. Uh-huh. You see now the thing is getting interesting. In Isaiah chapter 54 verse 5, look at how God put it. I have to establish this point. Isaiah 54 verse 5. If you finish writing, is it okay if we all read it out very loud from the screen? Alright, let's go. Your maker is your husband. Oh, so God kind of Christ's desire for a wife is what made him come on earth to come and look for his wife? Ah. But Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, verse 25, that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved their what? Their what? And gave himself up for her. So the way a husband has a wife, a woman has the wife, Bible is saying that Christ and the church is similar, is the same, even in deeper ways, like the husband and the wife. Very interesting. God created us because he wanted a counterpart. And he created Adam like himself. Then when he finished, he came, he came and said, no, it's not good for Adam to be alone. He was telling us something about himself. Yeah. Not that he's not complete. God is, God is eternally perfect. But his need, he had a plan, so long as his economy is concerned, to have a counterpart. And the constituent component of the counterpart is the core of the message. God, he wanted to be a universal husband with a universal bride interesting. So you see, this male-female thing, I'm a man, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a woman, and then wife and husband, it is actually supposed to mimic something bigger. Wow. Watch this, watch this. How, how, 
can you say that? How can you? I don't really, you know, I don't really. We will come back to Ephesians. But 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Paul told the church that, Paul told the church, for I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed, you know what this means? I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Talking to the church that I have betrothed you, you already engaged to a husband. Church, the, the, the wife of, the, of Christ, the bride of Christ is the church. Paul said, listen, you are somebody's bride. God created Adam. He said, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I have to make for him a, a, a counterpart. And the counterpart of Adam must have the same nature. That's why the animals couldn't do it. Ordinary human beings, not, not individuals. Look at Ephesians. Let's finish there. Even verse, the next verse. No, no, go to the next verse. Okay, that talks about Eve. So let's go to Ephesians because of my time. Ephesians chapter, verse 25. Watch this. Look at verse 26. Let's all read it. That he might sanctify and cleanse her. Jesus gave himself, watch this. Jesus gave himself on the church. Why? That he might sanctify, cleanse her with washing of water by the word. This bit, I will explain it during the week. Washing of water, because it's more. Go to the next verse. verse look at this. That he might, he might present her to himself, a glorious church. He's presenting the wife, the church. He wants to, God, Jesus Christ wants to present the church to himself. So he's going to be there, and then his bride will come in white gown. That's why brides normally wear white gown. Normally, traditionally. So it looks like chasteness, purity. I am clean. I just belong to you. And not having any spot or wrinkle. Wedding gowns are not supposed to have spots or wrinkle or such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. This is what Christ died to make the church out of. All right. Go, let, go to the next verse. See this. So, ah, so what's he talking about? Is he talking about Christ or the church? Uh, Christ or an uh, uh, ordinary husband? So the husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife. See, this is just telling you how you should behave. But actually, the real thing is talking about the soul. So we have to look at the real thing and it will help us to try and mimic it in our imperfection. So, so what is the soul? The way Christ loves the church as a husband and wife, marriage is supposed to exemplify that. So if you want your marriage to work, just learn from Christ and try even though you can't be exactly like him try and copy him that's what make, that's what makes marriage well because the relationship between Christ and the church is that of marriage but the perfect one the highest order of marriage go to the next verse for no one ever hates his own body but nourishes it cherishes it just as the Lord does the church so the church is his body Takes care. Watch this. Go to the next verse. For we are members of his own body. His, a bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Very interesting. We are members of his own body and his flesh and his bones. That's what Adam said. That's the bone of my bone. That's the flesh of my flesh. When he saw the woman. And in fact, before we come to verse 31, go to Genesis again. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Watch this. I want to show you something. Then the rib God built into a man, brought it to man. Verse 23, look at this. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Go to the next verse, look at this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they, the two shall become one flesh. When was this said? In Genesis. It was said in Genesis. And there God instituted marriage. So that is marriage. So everywhere did we read this one. To show what God, but I want to let you know that when God was saying this, He was not, His focus was not on you and your husband or you and your wife. Even though we are supposed to learn from His example, how can my, I, I used to wonder, so how can a husband and wife be joined to one flesh? When they divorce, what happens? Is it, what makes them one? Is it the union, marriage union, the bed that makes them one flesh? So, if they divorce, are the one flesh gone? In fact, when people are having problems in their marriage, some of them say, 
You know, at the wedding, they say, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man. They say, no, this one, God didn't put it together. <laughs> Pastor, my mother advised me, and I didn't listen. I went for him. It wasn't God who put At what time does God put it together? That's the next question. Is it at the altar or on the bed? So if it's on the bed, is it those of you who go to the bed before you come to the altar? Were you put together before you come? No, there's a whole lot of, you know, interesting. No, 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 please don't be scared. I'm just, uh, it's good to reason. You know, we are in UK. We like reasoning. Is it? <laughs> At what point in time do you, be, has God put you together? Is it before the altar? So is it the bishops or the pastors that put you together on the behalf of God? So after that, so even if you don't come together, are you still together? Are, are you one flesh? <laughs> So these are things to chew on. And so God, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. After, after, after man took Eve, Bible says that therefore because of this, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, the two will become one Back to Ephesians. Look at this, Ephesians. So verse 30, he said, for we are members of his body. Say we are members of his body. Yes. Say it again. Yes. Who are the we? No human beings. The church. Talk about no human beings. Every human being doesn't belong to God. No, listen, we are all sons of Adam by creation, but we are sons of Christ by believing in the resurrection. So, if you have not put your faith in Christ, you are not a son of God, you are a creator of God. That is the problem of Islam and other religions because they say God cannot have a son. I beg to differ. God can have sons. He has a son and we are all, because of the resurrection, we are all his sons. Do you know why? Because Christ is in us. I want to define the church for you. The church is not because you have gone to a building. The church is not because you've gone to a, a gathering. Those things are important. But the core constituent of the church is the Christ in you, Christ in him, Christ in me, throughout generations. That is the church. So what I'm trying to say is that no marriage can totally meet your needs. No marriage can complete you fully because the only perfect marriage, that's why I said, so husbands ought to love their wives. Do you understand? As Christ, they said, no, verse 27, so, verse 29 rather, is it, uh, where does it bring this? So, yeah, verse 28, so the, this is the way husbands have to love their wives, the way Christ did it. So that means that Christ loved the church as a wife. There is something about Christ and the church that is like husband and wife, and even possibly deeper than that. What is this thing at all? So then verse 30, and then 31, look at 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father be joined. Say the word joined. Joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this is the, what, when God, after God put them together in Genesis, this is what the Bible said. Now, Paul, when he's talking about husband and wife, he said this, and look at the next verse. That's a shocker. This is a what? A Let's all say that together. This is a great mystery. What is the this talking about? This is a great mystery. This, marriage is not a mystery, but the principle, the principle of the marriage Husband joining to the wife, becoming one flesh. That principle is great. That's why we never get to understand it. At what point in time do they become one flesh? This is a watch this. He said it's a great mystery. But just to let you know, I speak concerning Christ and the church. This Christ relationship with the church is a serious mystery. And it's a mystery that is a husband will leave, a man will leave the mother, but then be joined to the wife, and the two shall become. This is a mystery. This is a mystery. It's a great mystery. But Christ and the church, there is a relation. You remember we read Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, talking about, I will show you the lamb's wife. Ah, the lamb has got a wife. He says that I've betrothed you to one husband, who is Christ. So there is this strong relationship between the church and Christ who, that's why I said God in Christ, the universal, universal husband. So it's not about one person, because remember it says that, that he will present the church. How 
did he now get to this church? I think, let me go into this because let me use this short time to make some understanding for you. How did God get Eve for Adam? Huh? He, no, 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 you, uh, yeah, no, no. How did he get Eve? How did God get Eve? What did he do? Don't forget the process. He put Adam to sleep first. Adam had to sleep. Adam, God put him to sleep, and then he opened the side and pulled him out. Let's see in John chapter 19. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Before we go to John, I think I left one scripture which I really would like to add. In John chapter 3, verse 29. This is John the Baptist. John 3, 29. John the Baptist's disciples came to him and said to him that, you know what? The guy you introduced, eh, he's ba- everybody's going to him. Verse 27, 26, 27. Everybody's going to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. Because they were talking about Jesus. They said, Jesus you introduced now, the people who are following you, John, are now following him. Everybody's leaving you and going to him. So they were expecting John to be worried, to be jealous. But John said, you can't receive anything. Rabbi, he who was beyond the Jordan, to whom you testified beyond, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. And look at John's response. A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. May I say this to my fellow pastors? They may watch it later. If you steal people's members, or I don't know how you steal members, but <laughs> that's also a whole lot of... <laughs> But if you try and use coercion and tricks to take people from other churches into your church, the little people you have guarded, those ones, they are with their wrong DNA, they will come and scatter the ones you have guarded. And with, after, after a time, you won't actually have a church because they will bring the foreign, foreign mindset to pollute the people. Or they are not your children. Somebody's children you have, you have gone to steal. All right. Let's go back to the text. And then go to the next verse. Let's quickly jump to verse 29 because he who has the bride is the, this John talking. Hey, he's not talking about bride. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because the bridegroom's, because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. They're saying that, he's trying to say that me, I am, I'm not the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom. Me, I'm the friend of the groom. And now that I've seen the bride going to the groom, I'm very happy then. John the Baptist, he knew something. John the Baptist knew that Jesus came as a groom. Remember, husband, love yourself, have your, so love your wife, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church, that he might sanctify the church. So Christ actually, watch this, I'm about to say something very radical. Christ came on earth because he came to get his wife. What? Because he is the universal and so that at the end of the day, we will be eternally united with him as the eternal couple. But watch this, let's finish this. I need to finish this. Well, okay, let's go to the... um, uh, Genesis. Is it Genesis? Yeah. How did God get Adam? No, John chapter 19, rather. How did God get Eve for Adam? He, didn't he put him to bed? Yes. And then what did he do? Open the side, pull out. All right, let's look. Genesis, uh, um, John chapter 19, verse, yeah, let's take it from verse 32, so that I think it will save my time. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other and the other who were crucified with Jesus. Because it was getting that late and they wanted to go. So when you're on the cross, you are hanging by your wrist. And so, and then your legs are giving you support. So you, as you hang on, the wrist, on your wrist, as you breathe, you know your diaphragm, the diaphragm is in this region. 
It's stretching your diaphragm, so breathing is difficult. Because to breathe in, your diaphragm must go in, and then to breathe out, your diaphragm must push. But the way you are putting strain on the diaphragm, it can be, you know, going up. So breathing becomes difficult. But because of their legs, they use their legs to support themselves to breathe. So if they want you to die quickly, they break your legs. So now it's very hard to breathe. <coughs> and you die. So it was getting late, and these um, prisoners must die before everybody goes. So the soldiers came and said, let's just get this guy. So they break the first leg. The other one. They broke the other one. Then when they came to Jesus, they didn't break his bone. Because he was already dead. Wait, go to the next verse. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already what? He was what? There's no need to break the bones. Because there's a scripture that says none of his bones were broken. I'll explain why. I'll explain why. I'll explain why. He was already there. They did not break his bones. But what did they do? Ooh, they took a sword. Oh, but, but one of the soldiers. So after Jesus was put to sleep, a soldier took a sword. Put it on the side. Cut it for the church. Watch this. So one of the, and then he cut, and then immediately blood and water came out. Blood, we need blood for forgiveness of sins. Purpose of blood. John chapter 1, verse 29 said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away sin. He did the blood to take away sin. In Hebrews chapter 2, uh, chapter 9, verse 22, okay, he says that without shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Why do we need blood for redemption? The pure purpose of blood is redemption. Purpose, redemption. Okay, so he had to die to redeem us from our sins. When he was dying on the cross, how? Do you know what was happening? Hmm. Now, he was paid to the death on the cross was dealing with different things. One, it was it was pain, the blood was pain for our sins. So you always need blood. That's why we talk about the blood of those people who tell you Jesus didn't have to die, he lived a good life. They don't have a clue. He lived a good life like Mahatma Gandhi Rubbish. or uh, Buddha, Confucius. Oh, they are good people. So Jesus is also one of the good. Yeah, you can understand. They are trying to use the, the they've eaten so much of the tree of knowledge yeah. of good and evil. So they miss God. Didn't come to live just because of the reason why he actually lived a good life, so that his account of good life will be given to you. So even though you haven't really done the good life the way you should, you can go before God in his name, and then because that's a perfect life. But this main reason was not to live a good life. Bible says, for this purpose was the son of God, man, man, God, God manifested. First John chapter 3 verse 8, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That is why he was manifested. He says, and whoever commits this of the devil, and that was received from the beginning, for this purpose, shall purpose. For this purpose was the son of God, who is that Jesus, manifested that he might destroy. No, he just lived good life. He came to destroy. He came to destroy. The works of the devil. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, he says, because we human beings, his brothers, are flesh and blood, human nature, he also became he took part in the same. Yes. Why did he have to become flesh and blood? Watch this. Blood. He, he himself likewise shared in the same. Why? That so that through death, he had to die on the cross. There was a purpose for his dying. So that through death, he might do what? Destroy. So whilst he was dying, he was destroying. He was destroying the work of the devil on the cross. And his blood was washing us from our sins. But one thing that... Uh, Church does not know much is the last thing I want to say about his dying on the cross. It was not only negative in destruction, but it was also positive in building. Because it wasn't only blood that came out. What's water? Water is the flow of the life of God. Life. Water stands for, where there's no water, there cannot be life. So, this is the core of my message. Listen, he had eternal life inside him. Jesus was walking on earth. Let's say this is eternal life. He was an embodiment of eternal life. And he was going to the cross. 
to go and destroy the work of the devil and not just that but the purpose is to release the life guess what Peter said no you can't go and do that he said get behind me Satan then he told his disciples in John chapter 12 verse 24 except a grain of wheat dies falls and dies he abides alone but once it dies guess what it releases the life so his going on the cross was to go and release life into us I'm getting, are you getting what I'm trying to say? In fact, um, I think in John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, just as Moses lifted the serpent. Watch this. This is interesting. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted. Why? Watch this. Go to the next verse. That whoever believes in him should not perish by what? He went to the cross so you can have life through the cross. So when he was on the cross, the water that came out was First of all, the life inside him now that is dispensing the fountain of life. Time will not permit me. Maybe Wednesday, Thursday, I'll talk about the fountain of life, the fountain of water, and the fountain of blood. The fountain that came, one was for forgiveness of sin, but one was for the dispensing of life. And it took his open side. With, and the unbroken bone, verse 36 of John chapter 9, John chapter 19, verse 36, he said, so, verse 36 says that, for these things were done that the scriptures might be fulfilled, not one of his bones shall be broken. Now, unbroken bone, is a, what did God take from Adam? Bone. Bone is the strongest part of the human life. Bone is a re- representation of unbroken life. So his life was not broken, but his life was released for the making, for the building of the church. I, I get him. He had to release his life. They couldn't break his bone. He released his life. Now, the key, listen, if you, I'll continue this possibly, but if you miss anything, don't miss this thing. All I'm trying to say, God brought all kinds of things to Jesus, uh, Adam. A type of Christ. Adam said, no, this is not my counterpart. This is not my counterpart. The only thing that Adam could identify as his counterpart was the very thing that came out of him. Anything that doesn't come out of Christ is not the church. It's not the church. It can be nice. It can be politically good. If it doesn't come issue out of Christ, because what is the church? The church is the only, what complete substance, whatever comes out of Christ is the church. And so in the first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, he puts it this way. He said, We are his, his members. Watch this. He said, for, for us, the body, human body, is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, be many, are one body. So is Christ. We see this, listen to this. The substance, the constituent substance, component of the church is Christ. Yeah. I get it. What does it make? What does it take to get a church? What did God use to build the woman? Is the rib everything that came from Adam? It definitely might have the DNA of Adam. So anything that doesn't have the DNA of Christ, forget it. It's not church. It can be social. It can be very good, but it's not church. And that thing will make it to heaven. So you can be a nice person if Christ is not in your life. Listen, you can be attending church, you can be giving money. Many people think giving money to church makes you a church member. Ah! You are not a member of the body. You, possibly you are a member of the church. Organizationally, you are. But when you talk about the, 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 the bride of Christ, you are not. And he's coming for his bride. That's right. I can't wait when I get to Revelations. Bible says that, and they were united together. The, the bride, the bride is a corporate woman. There is an, there is an ultimate woman in the Bible who is made up, the, is, the compos, is com- composed of all Christians throughout all generations who have Christ in them. They form this woman. This bride, called the bride, another word for it in Revelation, don't let it confuse you, it's called the New Jerusalem. It's called the Holy City. And it says in Revelations that now the tabernacle of God is with men. They shall be together. That is the eternal union. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to the wife. Do you know that we are joined to Christ? That's the mystery. When Christ died, 
on the cross. The second Adam, he became what? 1 Corinthians 15, 45, a life-giving spirit. So he actually became a life-giving spirit. When he died, he re- watch this. Can I tell you this? On the cross, he re- his death on the cross was a life-releasing death. His resurrection was the life-impacting resurrection. He had to resurrect so that the life can be imparted into us. When you open your heart to him, you believe in him, he imparts his life into you. And when he imparts his life into you, just then you are a son of God. Then you are a member of the body of Christ. But he's imparting himself into you. Do you know what he does? He ain't, watch this, he imparts himself into your spirit, not your body. Your spirit. So your inner, the core of you, when you are born again, the thing is in the core of you. And as you walk with Christ, you fellowship with other believers, the thing begins to grow and spread and begins to change your mind, affect your thinking, affect your desires, affect your feelings. Christ is growing in you. Christ, that is the Christian life. Yeah, that's it. Now watch this. Can I quote one more scripture? I have to end now. Because it's overload. Information overload. <laughs> Are you interested for that last I think we have to close. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Make it runny. Is it okay if we all read it from the screen? Let's go. One more time. As soon as you get born again, his spirit comes into you. Guess what? He's one spirit with you. Mm-hmm. Therefore, a, ma- a woman, a man shall leave the mother and be joined. And they become one flesh, but this one we are one spirit. Ah! Hallelujah! Amen. One spirit. It's called the eternal union. Yes. One spirit. Jesus is the universal husband who came to look for his corporate bride, not one woman. You are a woman because God created you to reflect something greater. You are a man because God created you to, no one man can can represent God. No one woman can represent God. You need the two components, counterparts. But the key thing is that we, the church, are the actual same nature, same life that came out of Christ, that makes the church, so that the church will become, this is the bone of my bone, and this is the flesh of my flesh. And eternity is going to be amazing. <laughs> if you ask, you are asked, what did you hear from church today? At least you know that God is the husband of the church. Christ is the bridegroom, the church, is the bride. And there's, go, there's coming a wedding feast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! Did you receive something? Yes. Give God a big, 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 big clap. I want to pray for somebody. Please bow your heads with me. Bow your head with me. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. You know that if you die right now, you don't belong to Christ. Because you have not given and surrendered your life to Jesus. And you may have ideas, you may be a nice person, you may be a good person, but you know deep in your heart that spiritually you are not connected to God. But God is calling you to connect with him. And you are very happy to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to start a new life with Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to invite Jesus into my life so that he can give me the life of God and I begin to live the, the life with Christ. I know, pastor, you spoke so much, God has been speaking to me. I won't want to postpone it any longer. You are here, you want to say, pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you have given your life to Jesus before, but you are backslided. You don't have a rela- working relationship with God. You know, if you die right now, you can't go to heaven. You know if you die, you are not going to home because you don't have a home with God. You don't have a relation with God. God is not your father you walk with, you talk to. But life, time is short. And you want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to do it today. If that's your genuine prayer, please slip up your right hand so I can pray with you. Slip up your right hand quickly. Please lift up your two hands as a sign of surrender. 
and say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. I ask you to come into my life. I repent from my sins. From today, I make a commitment that I will serve you. I will live for you. I will work with you and bring glory to your name. Holy Spirit, help me to understand it more and grow into Christ. Thank you for today because it marks the beginning of a great day. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.